Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to Amir's birthday edition. Happy birthday, Amir. Of the Daily Bible Happy Podcast. Happy birthday, Amir. Amir Deba. He is a mere, what, 22 years old? 23 years old? What is he? Oh, was 17 or 18, I thought. Yeah, <laughs> married. Actually, it's the it's the milestone birthday. He is, according to the government, he's like a full-fledged adult, uh, 21. 18? Oh, <laughs> 21. No, because 21, like you can't rent a car or you can't rent a... Not a until you're 25. Car. 25. Okay, never mind then. I take it back. He's still a he's still a pup. <laughs> still a pup. Still wet behind the ears. Still a pup. No, we're grateful for Amir and Michaela, his wife. Indeed, and, uh, man. Love you guys. Good people. Hey, uh, yeah. So uh, we recorded this before I went to the state fair. I, I actually went to the state fair. And oh, uh, yeah, I can, I can report on that now because I, I have been and I, yeah, I can actually yeah. have been. And I did Instagram though. You you asked me if I about that post. I saw. Yeah. So I, I put up some posts I from the you. state fair. They call it the most Texan place on earth. The most Texan. I think because it's the state of Texas fair. Mm, that's that's us. It was pretty Texan. I mean, I'm not going to lie. What makes it Texan versus not? Is it just everyone's wearing cowboy boots? It, well, big Texas is there, which is this, this, is it animatronic if it's a person? And, um, it's a, it's a gigantic statue that talks and waves at you. I think it's animatronic. I yeah. That's still, yeah. Yeah. Built in 1952, the statue was, it's got a kind of a creepy looking face, but food is why you go to the state fair. Um, and it, it's, del- it, they're awesome food. I had a Fletcher's corn dog. I had a funnel cake wow. with strawberry and whipped cream on top. Oh. Uh, we got some deep fried Oreos. Oh, those are the best. We, uh, I got that. And, and, but here's the weirdest thing, right? Cause you go to the state fair, there's weird food there. So I decided to try Uh-oh. the fruity pebbles pickle fruity pebbles pickle yep i saw it before i went i thought you know what i, I want to give that a shot and uh You're still here today so clearly you made it yeah so picture it's like a big dill pickle and it's wrapped in a uh, a fruit roll-up and then it has fruit by the batter. foot wrapped around that not deep fried never no. fried no okay. well that's different and then it's got like it's got all the things though that are not healthy for you it's got like corn syrup on the outside corn and then it's syrup. dipped in fruity pebble dipped cereal gluten yeah carcinogens just sprayed all over it just to make sure for good yep. measure yeah and msg all that good stuff MSG, yep so yeah so uh, the fruity pebbles pickle was uh it was disappointing it was a weird mouth experience it was kind of like i like this and i hate it at the same time well maybe maybe mission accomplished then uh, maybe Maybe. Maybe that was what they're going for. Like a unique, absurd, it's, it's an experience where you're going to tell people about it. So, so that's, that's mission accomplished. There it is. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's what happened. But as you're planning to go to the state fair, I would not invest in the fruity pebbles pickle. I duly noted. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Although I do wonder what heaven food is going to feel like. I mean, I, I'm, I love earth food. Yeah. What's new earth food going to be like? Wow. Yeah. I, I don't can't know. wait. I can't I wait. The, I mean, the fruit of the vine is going to be there. I mean, fruit of the vine. Yeah. Wine. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a teetotaler even in the New Jerusalem. Are you? Say, Lord, thank you, but no thanks. I don't want to cause anyone to stumble. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone's gonna be caused to stumble at that point. Yeah, because I'm not drinking. That's why. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, well, hey, let's jump into our reading together. This is our, exciting. Uh, our Old Testament reading picks up in Isaiah chapter 39 oh, today. Let's do it. Let's do it here. Isaiah 39 and 40, and uh, Isaiah 39 opens with this guy Merodach Baladan. And we've read about him in the past. Yeah, I named my kid that. Did you? That's a that's a mouthful. 
That's a mouthful. Um, but uh, he, this is is really kind of the beginning of the end for uh, Assyria. Uh, Merodach Baladan begins to, to bow up against Assyria. Uh, this is around 700, 704 BC. Uh, 626 BC, uh, you've got uh, Nabopolassar, who's another Babylonian king, uh, rise up and rebel against Assyria. 605, then you've got Nebuchadnezzar defeating Assyria um, along with Egypt at that point. And then 597, Nebuchadnezzar comes against Jerusalem. So a series on the downswing at this point. But but this Babylonian king comes to Isaiah here in chapter 39. And uh, Isaiah... Um, uh, or rather the, the king here, Hezekiah, that is, of, uh, of Jerusalem, he does something somewhat foolish and he opens up the, the storehouses and the treasury and he invites the, the Babylonian envoys in to see everything that Jerusalem has. Can't see how that can go wrong. Yeah, right? Like, hey, let me show you all the wealth. Like, like hey, if you were ever to come and, and like besiege my city, here's all the stuff that you could steal and take away from us. <laughs> and, uh, and he gets called out. And Isaiah calls him out and says, look, because you've done this, um, you know, all this stuff is going to be carried away. And then uh, this is the, the part of, of Hezekiah that just makes me go, dude, you're kind of a slime ball because he hears this, this curse that, that is going to happen. And his response is, okay, as long as it doesn't happen while I'm still alive, I'm good with it. And, and jerk. Yeah. It's kind of like, Okay, so you don't you don't care about your kids, you don't care about the future, you don't care about God's city, you don't care about like as long as it doesn't happen when when I'm still living, then this is a good thing. And he's one of the good kings, bro. Right, he's one of the good guys. Right. Oh, right. mercy. Well, as Isaiah is prophesying these things, this would not be comforting, comforting to the people of, of Judah, but this is the end of this section that is dealing with the, um, the, the God's sovereignty over the nations and the judgment section of Isaiah before we turn to, as you were talking about last time, or, or maybe the episode before that, this next section in chapter 40 through 66, which take us through the end of the book of focused on God's deliverance of the people. So right. chapter 40 opens with comfort, comfort my people. And we really shouldn't read a huge break in between there because this is flowing. Remember chapter divisions are, are a later edition. This would have been right on the heels in the scroll of Isaiah of chapter 39, talking about this future Babylonian captivity and Babylon was going to come and lay siege to the city and take away all these things. And then we read comfort, comfort my people. It's a pretty stark contrast that we find there. That's why people tend to think that there's more than one author in Isaiah. Right. And we would, we would disavow that. We don't yes. agree with that. But th- this is why reading Isaiah is a challenging prospect for anybody. Because really, between chapter 39 and chapter 40, you do have the Babylonian exile. We're talking about several years later. Several years later. And yet Isaiah, in the present tense, still writing in present day, present day for the, the audience of, the, of that original time, is trying to look forward to saying, okay, here's what you're going to need to know. Here's how God's going to restore you. Here's how God's going to comfort you during this particular season of life. Right. And, and really, that's a theme that we find throughout scripture. It's just condensed and compressed here in Isaiah. And that theme of, it's not about the here and now, but the then and there. And I, I think that's that's what Isaiah is trying to communicate to the people. Like, hey, the, the here and now is going to get difficult, but the then and there is coming. And that's where we can find comfort. That's where we can find hope. That's where we can find peace. And, and, and that message is true for us today, as much as it was for, for Jerusalem at this time, as they're still looking at 
the, the future of captivity and everything else. I mean, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Look at the world going on right now. I mean, you've got Palestinian rockets that are bombarding Israel um, and you've got Netanyahu coming out and saying, we are at war. Like, make no doubt about it. We are at war. And you've got our government that's like, oh, huh, look at that. That's, that's interesting. Isn't that funny? That's we freed up $600 million in assets to a terrorist nation and now they're, they're going, using it against Israel. What? Go Shocking. What? Amazing. It, it, so all that to say, like we live in an unstable situation in society and world and, and mildly. we've learned that through COVID and everything else. Our hope is not here and now. And it's, it's a hope that's then and there. And that, that applies not just to the grand scale geopolitically, but, but to your life, you're sitting out there, maybe your marriage is struggling right now. Look, and, and you are pursuing the Lord and you are uh, running hard after Christ and you're just in a difficult spot right now. Your hope is ultimately then and there. Like, yes, we need to take steps right here to deal with what's in front of us, but our whole ultimate hope is not here. It's then and there. Maybe you've got a, a child that's wayward, that's not following after Christ. And, and yeah, you're pursuing them with the gospel, but your hope is then and there. It's not in the here and now. And, and so this message to, to Israel, this comfort, comfort my people is a message that we can hold on to as well. Amen to that, bro. Man, I, 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 immediately Isaiah turns the attention off of the present circumstance and even off of the people. He says, look, all flesh is grass. You guys, you guys are going to vaporize. It's here in the morning. It's gone in the afternoon. The grass withers, the flower fades. But notice verse eight here. The word of our God will stand forever. It's no wonder this is taken into the New Testament because what we need to do is not focus on the news headlines, but on the biblical headlines. What does scripture say? That's our hope. That's our confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And that's God saying, what I've promised, I will do. I will surely do. God the word of the Lord endures, right? He's, his promises are, are clutch. Yeah. Never going to fade. And the reason is because of the greatness of God, which is that next section there in verses 9 through 11. Is that the, what you titled it? Or is I, that that's what? what the ESV titled oh, okay. it, yeah. The, okay. the greatness of God. I see. Um, but behold, the Lord our God comes with might. His arm rules for him. His reward is with him. His recompense before him. He's going to tend his flock like a shepherd. And so the, these are the promises that are, will happen because the word of the Lord endures forever and the people can hold truth in, in, in hold confidence in that. And then of course, there's the great section there with all of the questions that are, is asking about who can you compare God to, to what will you compare him? Who has measured the waters in his hand? All these amazing images that we get here that are, are so encouraging for us to remind ourselves and to be reminded of, of the greatness of God, which reminds us of how small in light of that our problems really are and how capable he is to help us and comfort us in the midst of our trials. Amen to that, yeah. This is why our church, one of the things that we want to do, and I've brought this up before, I'm going to bring it up again, we want to maintain a high view of God. Yeah. God has a high view of God. We need to keep our our sight for who he is in calibration with what he says he is. And this, Isaiah 40, is a is an amazing chapter to it's help a masterpiece. us do just, just that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love how God belittles the idols and it's not just here. It's throughout, you know, these, these chapters that we're looking at over the next couple of days, but right. it's, it's so great to, to be reminded of that. But yeah, Isaiah 40 is, it accomplishes what the, the chapter starts out to do, which is to provide comfort to us as we, uh, as we read it, regardless of what our circumstances. And again, where does our comfort come? It doesn't come in the fact that we're not going to suffer in the short term, but it comes in the fact that the long term is guaranteed for us because of the word of the Lord endures forever. I'm comforted. Well, let's flip over to our new Testament flip again to yeah. Philippians four for the last time in Philippians. Oh, last time this year, this year, uh, Philippians four is such a great passage. Um, the, probably the, the key component of the passage that we think of most often is his treatment of the, the issue of anxiety. Anxiety is something that is so common in so many uh, people today, probably many of you listening. Growing and increasing with a rapid pace. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, in part because a lot of what we just talked about, because there is no guarantee in the here and now and the here and now can be so troubling and so concerning for us. Um, And so anxiety creeps in and Paul provides some clear instructions to us as to what to do with our anxiety that involve uh, two weapons. And the first weapon is prayer um, that we can take our concerns and our, our, our things that makes it make us anxious, take those to the Lord and to, uh, to make those requests known and in exchange receive the promise of the peace of God, which guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What an amazing thought that is. So this is a, let's, let's be practical here. Um, man, unpack this. Tell me what this is like practically, because it's not always true that when I pray, I walk away feeling this amazing peace of God. This, Because it seems experiential. Now, of all the verses that we read about this, this one sounds like, oh man, when I'm done praying, I should feel, I should experience tactilely sense the peace of God. Is that what it means? And if so, is that how I should pursue this? Is there a way that I need to do this until? Talk us through that. Um, it, it's not a vending machine, right? God is not a vending machine where we deposit our quarter of prayer and in exchange, here comes the Snickers bar of peace that we get, right? <laughs> All right. That one is probably your best one yet. I Thanks, mean, it wasn't man. a transition, but I'm going to give you credit for that. Thanks, man. Yeah. More than 25 cents credit. So we can't hold God hostage to our expectations of what we should feel or what we should experience or any of that, but we can hold him to, to be the God that he promises to be. Right. This is Isaiah 40 saying, right. His word is going to stand firm. So do I just keep praying until he gives it the peace? Right. And in, in some regard, I think the answer is yes. But I, I think part of our prayer process is reminding ourselves of the truth of God. And that's where verses eight and following come into play with this. And that's the second weapon that we have is not only prayer, but also the weapon of our minds, the weapon of, of our thought life. And this is involves discipline. And it's the discipline to, to do what Paul calls us to do in Philippians four, which is to think about those things that are, and then he gives that laundry list. And so as we're praying, we want to pray and think the thoughts that are true and honorable and excellent and worthy of praise and, and commendable and, and allow those to become the the sieve, so to speak, that that any other thoughts aren't going to make it through um, into our, our thought life there. And so there's a, a, a combination here similar to what we saw and talked about in Philippians chapter two with working out our salvation, knowing God is working within us where we are praying and then we're also combating our anxiety at the same time by by doing what Scripture is calling us to do and thinking true thoughts about God, right thoughts about God, excellent things thoughts about God. And I think as as we align our thought life with that grid in Philippians four eight, that's when that peace that surpasses understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's when we really be, do begin to experience that more and more. So it's not just prayer, and it's not just meditation. Um, it's prayerful meditation. It sounds like you're saying, right. And when we marry those two things that God intended for us to keep together, that's when we, that's when we experience in in reality and in practice, what it feels like to enjoy the peace of God, because we're uh, Romans 12, we're having our minds, uh, shaped. We're having our minds, uh, transformed by his word, which allows us then Romans one and two to, uh, to respond appropriately to whatever circumstance ails us. Exactly. Yeah. Is it a question? Yeah. Is it prayer or is it meditation? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's what I expected. Yes. Good answer. So go ahead. Sorry. I was going to ask a, a, a question. Is anxiety a sin? Depends. That's what I would say. How would you answer that? I would agree. I, I think anxiety is a response that we have to circumstances in our lives. That is part of our flesh and part of our, our fallen nature. 
Um, I think the question is, what do we do with our anxiety? I think we have a, a, a time and opportunity to answer that question to say, are we going to take our anxiety and, and do what Paul calls us to do here and bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, here's, here's, and even in that confess some of what is at the root of some of our anxiety, which is a lack of faith, a lack of trust in, in him, um, and to confess some of that. So in that sense, I think it can be a, a, a manifestation of some, some sin issues that we have there, whether that's lack of faith, lack of trust, lack of confidence, whatever that may be. We've talked about the good anxiety before, which Paul has himself said, hey, I've got a, a genuine concern for the welfare of these churches and, right. and believers. And, and maybe that's your anxiety for the welfare of your kids, or that's your anxiety for the good of your marriage, or that's your anxiety for the good of our church. Those, those are good anxieties for us to have. But the, the fearful anxiety, I think, is a response that we're going to have. I don't know that we choose that initial feeling of anxiety, but I think it's a matter of what do we do when we feel the, that anxiety come on us? What, what's our response to that? And I think that's that brings up an interesting point because I, I would probably say that if I experience uh, something naturally, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's good. It sure. just means that in my fallen flesh, that's that's the sinful response in my sure. fallen flesh to feel scared or worried or whatever, what have you, which tells me that there's room in my soul to get more of Christ in my heart. Mm. That's a, so funny. It's so stereotypical um, to have more of the, to have more of God's word govern and control even my uh, my subconscious emotional reactions. I right. want God's word to have such a grip on my heart that it responds appropriately even to bad news, whatever that might be. Right. Right. Yeah. Good. <laughs> This also has a famous verse in Philippians chapter four, which uh, you may have seen emblazoned on the eye black on some athletes, but uh, this whole idea of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. So that means I can go to the DMV through Christ who strengthens me, right? Walk to the front of the line. Yep. And get my driver's license. Boom. I want to be a professional athlete. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's right. Preach it. I can do all things. Our church would be much larger if you preach that. I want to do through Christ who strengthens me. Come on. Come on. No. (laughs) No, unfortunately, he's he says in the context, right, there's that word there, right? Oh man, context gets in the way of You're so many me down already, man. So Come many on, good sermons. Let me just have it? that. I got the tattoo on my back. <laughs> I can't erase it. Is it in Hebrew? <laughs> yes, that's in Hebrew. <laughs> Which makes no sense because this is the New Testament. Um, yeah, no, it's in the context of Paul saying, look, I've been poor, I've been rich. I know how in every circumstance to be content. And because of that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when life is going well, I'm good. When life is not going well, I'm okay because it's the strength of Christ that enables me to find that contentment in the midst of all and every circumstance. Man, contentment in Christ in every situation and circumstance, that, that'll preach because all of us are in different spots in life. Some of us having a great season. Some of us are a tough season to know that Christ is sufficient, even in the r- rough times and the great times, man, that, that, that's comforting. Speaking of comforting my people, it's comforting. And that's the peace, right? That guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's, that's what it looks like is that contentment in all seasons. Indeed. Yeah. Well, Hey, we're grateful that you guys tuned in for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. And we hope Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow for another one. See you at church. See you at church. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. (laughs) 